I actually believe that systems are one of the most powerful things you can use to be in community and to work together more effectively to have more successful companies. But we have just been reusing systems that are based in white supremacy culture or based in ways of working that are not good for humans. So how do we create new systems? And that's about design and and partnership and working together. Welcome to Problem Performers, a podcast about professionals who challenge the status quo at work. I'm Rebecca Weaver, and yes, I too have been labeled a problem performer at least once or twice in my career. But looking back, I know where it is a badge of honor. In fact, all the most interesting people I know have earned this label at some point. In reality, these are the people who challenge their workplaces to be better and do better. I think we should all aspire to be problem performers in our work lives, because the only way to make real change is by shaking things up. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. So today I am super excited to bring you this conversation with Lakita Williams. Lakita is a badass personal coach and consultant who teaches companies and leaders how to build transformative workplaces. She's the founder of Co-Create Work and the creator of the five components of inclusive culture. She's also a fellow Seattleite. Lakita, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. I'm super excited to be here and to have this conversation today. Me too. Me too. So Lakita, why don't you tell people, I gave the, the brief intro, but can you talk with us a little bit about the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we work with small and emerging companies uh, to basically create transformative workplaces and help to build the future of work. That's something that uh, I have been passionate about personally ever since I kind of started my career. That was definitely accelerated once I had my first corporate role. Uh, and then I had a medical issue where our daughter was born prematurely. And so that really highlighted for me the importance of, of transformation that needs to happen within workplaces. And so, you know, had quite a few roles. Uh, and then after completing those roles, or actually being within the those roles, decided to launch Co-Create Work, really wanting to start with businesses right as they are in the process of building and creating culture so that we can build right from the beginning, right? So, so yeah. build correctly from the very start. Yeah, I love that. Well, would you mind telling us just a little bit more about those those personal experiences that you had and what was the transformation that you could have used yourself at the time? Yeah, it's it's interesting because um I, you know, often use the words like tra- transformative about work as a process. And I definitely think about it that way. Like work has this ability to change our lives and like what we feel connected to. Um, And in going into that very first role, it was certainly that way for me. Uh, And in like leaders that I experienced working with, learning new skills, the excitement that goes along with that, um, as well as the opportunities for improvement. And I think you probably know deeply about, right, some of the challenges that come along with everything from being a woman in the workplace, being a mother in the workplace, being new to career. Uh, And so 
challenges that happen along with that. And then once our um, daughter was born and navigating a health emergency um, as part of work life uh, was extremely difficult. And I think that there were some things that the organization did really well uh, and some things that, frankly, were, you know, pretty difficult uh, to manage. And so it had me to start to think really deeply about what is the role of work um, within uh, each individual's lives and how we um, partner together, which uh, I went to pursue a master's in social work, really focused on business, and then went into a large tech organization to work on organizational design there. Uh, and had some really big wins and some really big losses in terms of wanting things to change um, within technology uh, and how uh, the workplace is built there. You know, I often say we see a lot of tech companies and there is a focus on like breaks and ping pong tables or whatever <laughs> is, li- you know, is listed out or or feels like what's the focus at that moment. Um, but if we are really intentional about culture and what human beings need to be successful to feel like they can thrive, then we're really going to build transformational workplaces. And so it was something that I was really committed to doing and so made the decision to leave um, the role that I had before I launched Co-Create Work um, and, and wanted to work with businesses who knew they wanted to build, you know, amazing products, experiences, services, uh, but wanted to do it differently and wanted to um, team differently, wanted to work and partner with people differently. And uh, I wanted to be a resource for them as they went out to do that. Um, I really believe that small and emerging businesses are going to create what workplaces look like in the future. It was led by large organizations previously, but I I believe that's switching. And I think that we've seen that even more uh, during COVID. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something you said really stuck out to me. Um, You're talking about company culture and people do still, I think, um, think that it is the ping pong tables and, you know, beer on tap or whatever, um, especially in the startup world. Um, but I just led a webinar yesterday um, talking about company culture. And mm-hmm. and what I tell people, what I tell business owners is your, your company culture is defined by the worst behavior you're willing to tolerate. Mm-hmm. Like, where are you setting that line? Mm-hmm. Um either intentionally or unintentionally, because that absolutely defines your company culture. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally. And it's, uh, you know, I think often what maybe we miss or don't understand is that it's everything. So culture is Mm -hmm. everything. It's the clients you select. It's how you do project management. It's how you communicate across the organization, performance reviews. So we often think about um, some elements that traditionally would be considered HR, uh, but mm-hmm. it literally includes everything uh, yeah. because it's the whole experience of what it's like to work with you. I think that's totally right. It's the decisions you make. It's the people you decide to promote, mm-hmm. people you don't promote, mm-hmm. um, right? It's, it, it is all of that. Well, Recently, um, there was an article in Harvard Business Review called End Imposter Syndrome in Your Workplace. And you were quoted 
in this article. And I thought what you said was so profound and so obviously directly related to what we're talking about right here. So, you know, at the risk of being super awkward, I'm going to quote you to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I thought it was so great. But what you said was, our experiences create us. Women across races typically create organizations where it's a priority for people to feel more fulfilled and more like themselves. And as a result, we're building different systems where people can bring the fuller version of their experiences, talents, and backgrounds and the way that they communicate to these businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and I have been really inspired to uh, work with almost all of our clients are female founders. Um, And I would say that's because of their attraction to doing this work, right? I don't set out to only work with female founders. I have some male founders and they're fantastic as well. Um, But what they all have in common is that they want to be intentional about how they build and create workplaces. And they want to be intentional about the employees' experiences there. And so when we think about, I think in that article, you know, was highlighting uh, how workplaces help to support feelings that women often have around imposter syndrome because they haven't created the type of workplaces where people feel confident or feel like they can thrive. Uh, uh, and they actually have taken away from feelings of confidence, right? Uh, and so they have not so supported that. And so as we think about each experience we have to my comments earlier about how transformational work can be, then that has a long-term impact on us. And so what I found with the founders that I work with is that they are really thinking end to end, what does it mean for someone to make a decision to come and be in partnership with me, not just to quote, work for me, but what does partnership look like so that we all create or all have win-win situations in how we work together? I've seen them be really committed to that, and commitment to me looks like time. Uh, It looks like a willingness to change, change how you lead, um, change some bad behaviors that some of the, some of, uh, you know, we have and they may have had as leaders. It means um, investment, right? So, you know, several clients have gotten feedback like, oh, why are you focusing on that right now? Well, in the long term, what they're having and actually, Rebecca, I wouldn't even say long term, right? Like they're having year over year growth at 45%, right? So significant um, wins. That's not why they did it. But what we know is that when people can bring a full version of themselves, their new ideas, their innovation, um, how they view things to the workplace, and it makes things better for all of us. Um, and we have to be willing to challenge ourselves consistently to make sure that we're doing that, that we don't just start it and say, oh, it's a one and done, um, but that we are consistently getting better. Yeah. 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 So if a founder comes to you and says, I'm looking for help, I want to be more intentional, I just have no idea where to start, where do you typically recommend that they start? Are there 
you know, is there a step one (laughs) that's common that you recommend? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) And I will say sometimes, you know, uh, when they when a founder reaches out to me, it's like, oh, these things are happening. I know I want things to be better. So it's not always that like things are going well. And I'm like, what's the next level? Right. So Mm -hmm. sometimes things are feeling messy or feeling stressful. And typically, you know, one of the things I I often quote, um, we you talked about the five components of inclusive culture. And one of them is working agreements. And so our clients have created really, really amazing working agreements. And one of my favorites um, uh, that a client has created is, is take a beat. So typically when they come and talk to me, where we start is we take a beat, which is means we have an intentional pause and we need to understand where we are. So it's a bit of assessment. It's not a traditional survey. What I like to do is a retrospective with them. And we start in community from the very beginning. We get folks in a room, usually because of the size of the organization. That's a pretty um, large part of the company. And we ask three questions. What's working? Where are we stuck? And what might we do differently? And within us having that conversation, we're telling stories, which often surveys might not catch. And so we just start in this place of community and storytelling um, to understand from different people's perspective what isn't working right now. Now, there's certainly been times that we've had those sessions and I've said, okay, I think there may be something under the surface. So I have to do some follow-up here, have some individual conversations or some surveys. But we start in talking, seeking to understand um, um, is a good way that I like to describe it. So intentional pause. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think there's such a responsibility when you're hearing those stories too. Mm -hmm. When people open up um, and, you know, we say in HR when we do employee surveys or what have you, you know, the only thing worse than not asking the question is asking the question and then doing nothing (laughs) about it. Right. And I just, you know, as I do investigations, we do independent investigations Mm -hmm. at HR Uprise, um, you know, in the midst of those, um, you know, I just think so much about how it it is such a responsibility. Um, It's a great, great honor, too, if when people trust you with their stories. Yeah. Um, And so I imagine as you have those conversations, um, there's also a great weight um, to take with you. I I told someone the other day um, that the only reason I do these things, you know, go wade into this and hear these really difficult stories. I mean, first and foremost, I understand what an honor it is, yeah. but then also because I feel like I am in a position to do something about Absolutely. it. Mm-hmm. That that's really what keeps keeps me going. Um, so I, I imagine in those conversations you must hear um, a lot of stories, but people are trusting you. Yeah, we learn them. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. They're often, and where we start, often the leader is there, right? And so it's about what's the environment where people feel like they can share, here's where we're falling down. And in those sessions, we go all in on the problem, not on the people. But also in order to work with us, one of the things that's required is for the leader of the organization to have executive coaching for themselves, right? Behaviors we have at work 
are learned behaviors that often supersede work. Uh, they are right, like how we could show up personally. We're feeling if we're feeling defensive, that may be based on you know years and years of how we grew up or how things were when we went to school. So there's a real person behind each leader, and the more that I can be in conversation with them, uh, support them as an executive and a leader from a coaching perspective the more uh, the stories mean something and the more uh, things are going to change. So I love I love what you're talking about. And I, you know, one of the things that I think about a lot, especially when it comes to company culture, um, there's a great article that's been around for quite some time. I think it's from 1999. Um, but we'll we'll link to where you can find the, the original article. Um, in our show notes. Um, but it's about how white supremacy shows up in company cultures. And I would love to get your thoughts. I mean, it's things like perfectionism, um, the tendency to identify what's wrong, um, sense of urgency, defensiveness, quantity over quality, worship of the written word. There's only one right way to do things paternalism, either or thinking, I mean, it's, it's power hoarding. All of these things are the ways that we see white supremacy showing up in the workplace. Um, and it's things that until you really dive into it, at least for me as a white cisgender heterosexual woman, um, it's all of these things that I I did not realize mm-hmm. were white supremacy showing up mm-hmm. in work. I I had ascribed that just to this is how things work. This is how the business world works, right? This is how you're supposed to operate. Um, <clears throat> and I think especially about this um, worship of the individual over the collective. Um, I would just love your thoughts. Like, how how do you see this and how do you help companies work through breaking down some of these things that probably for many of them, they're not even aware that this is creeping into their organization and may not even be aware that these are things that can change. No, these these expectations, we could change them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is, you know, one of the things that I think you're highlighting there is all of these elements will show up as, quote, norms, right, mm-hmm. or, quote, corporate culture um, and often quote culture uh, on on its own. And so one of the things that I have found most powerful as I do this work is this idea of design, right? That we, you have an opportunity to work with your team and, you know, your community, your clients, right? To take all of those inputs and help to design a workplace that's different than um, not just the way things used to be, but is more effective than the way things are or, or used to be. And I think often people who are engaged and want to have transformation are open to that, but are often surprised about what that means, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, how, how can we hold in the same space that we urgently need to respond to a client, but 
also this is a false sense of urgency. And so we have to name that, which means like calling it out directly and saying, right, is this a real thing or is this something that we've created as a practice? And so with the components of um, inclusive culture, we list out these five elements just really quickly as shared purpose, working agreements, um, inclusive systems, flexibility and autonomy and intentional connection. So we take these elements and we say, as we apply these, and this is based on uh, my historical work as an organizational designer and working with other companies, of that this lens will help us understand, are we creating the most inclusive space that we can create? And so when we have working agreements, we'll say, what do we want the pace of work to look like? And how do we hold each other accountable to that? And so that idea of planning or designing helps us to push back on the quote, like traditional ways of working. Uh, And we often have to challenge ourselves. I I have to tell you, Rebecca, like I grew up in like, from a work grow up perspective in like large corporate cultures. And so I'm the queen of like urgency, (laughs) urgency and like, there's a right way to do things, right? Um, And so really having to call out and notice the behavior within myself Um, and creating spaces where others can identify that as well. And so when we are in conversation and community and we're saying we are taking a design approach, meaning we're creating things together step by step, then that gives us more willingness to take a step back and pause. And all of the leaders that we work with, they make an intentional conversation or communication to their team that we are engaging in this work. And that means that we're willing to do some things differently. And so if we're missing that, please call that out for us. Please identify that for us. I know one of the things that you elevate strongly is this idea that people can share what they're thinking, what challenges they're having in a way that is anonymous or disconnected from the organization where people can feel safe. And we um, strongly believe in that as well. And so we talk to the leaders about as part of our work together, how do we make space for that? So that all of this is in connection together when we talk about um, intentionally designing something different. When I think about Um, especially doing the work individually. You know, I think back on so many different company cultures that I was a part of and realize that when you're not matching up to those expectations, Mm -hmm. there's so much shame involved in that too. Absolutely. Um, This, oh, maybe I'm not really cut out for this job or maybe I'm not really the high potential I thought I was or maybe, you know, and so... That's been, um, I think, a process of kind of unlearning that shame for me um, is there is room for so many approaches, um, you know, that that we really have to create space for it, though, because when we don't, we what we have are, you know, these expectations influenced by white supremacy that have been in place for hundreds of years and whenever somebody operates outside of that, we, I mean, come back to the the name of this podcast, we label them a problem performer, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. say, oh, they're not meeting expectations. 
they're yeah, they're failing. And yeah. I love that you elevate this because uh, believe it or not, in conversations with leaders uh, and owners or founders of these organizations, they have the same concerns because they do want to do things differently. And they're like, oh, but that's not the way leadership is supposed to look. I am failing. I am not showing up as the leader of what uh, things need to look like. And so as part of uh, what I think is really beneficial is to outline what type of leader do you want to be? What does leadership look like? Um, How do you want this company to work together? And you get inputs from others. And that means a big part is like elevating the voices of others because if, if it's not white supremacy culture, then what is the alternative? Well, we haven't heard many examples because we've been pushing down other voices. And so we need to elevate other voices to say, what are some different ways that we can work together? Um, one of my favorite playbooks for, for thinking about work differently is by um, the great Adrian Marie Brown, uh, Emergent Strategy. And I actually have the book back here behind me because I use it so much. But it says, right, we we bring people in community together and elevate voices. Immediately, oftentimes, believe it or not, I'm sure you can believe it, I get a lot of pushback. We're never going to be able to make decisions if we do this kind of thing, right? Like, uh, we're not going to be able to move forward. We're not going to be successful. Look at the example of this company or that company uh, who tried to do something like this and it didn't work. And what I always respond with is that we are not against systems. I actually believe that systems uh, are one of the most powerful things you can use to be in in community and to work together more effectively to have more successful companies. But we have just been reusing systems that are based in white supremacy culture or based in ways of working that are not good for humans. So how do we create new systems? And that's about design and and partnership and working together. I think about how much has already changed in the past 18 months. Um, And when I think about it, I think it it is going to have to take something so dramatic, you know, so something that has been so far reaching like the pandemic um, to really change how we work. And for those of us who have been in this kind of line of work for a while, sort of, you know, saw some things happening. And then again, the pandemic was just this massive shift. But like when you look to the future, what's on your wish list? Like, what do you hope will be a part of culture for companies um, as we move forward? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, When, as I think about the future of work, we're designing it now. I completely agree with you. The pandemic accelerated a lot of change. Big transformations or challenges often do that. Um, And so we're shifting towards a new way of working that I think we all recognize as more employee driven uh, than it had been in the past, which I'm very excited about. I think it provides a great opportunity for us to think about partnership and how we build workplaces and building systems that really work for people. So kind of on my wish list is that folks, um, especially organizational leaders, um, take a step back and think about how can we redesign 
and rebuild the way we're working in ways that are actually supportive of people and that they have the insight to know that doing this is going to be better for us all, right? So it's not from a patriarchal view of like, here's a gift and let me give you like, I'm willing to be flexible, right? That we come to this knowing that we can build something that's greater together. So that that means that leaders need to take a step back and say, hey, you know, we have been doing things this way. Let's Let's take some time and intention to see if the way that we are working is actually working for individuals. And that sometimes can mean the very first thing they need to do is engage in some sort of sort of coaching or development for themselves, because this is a mighty mission to take on. If you've been doing work one way for, you know, all your life, it's not easy to come and switch and do things differently. So I think just the ownership to say that, listen, culture matters. And it is actually one of the most important things. If if we go back to the example at the beginning that we talked about, that culture is everything, then it is the most important thing. And I think when we say that, people are like, oh, well, I don't know. Or what does that really mean? <laughs> right. That's not really true. Um, but if you go and you look at let's just let's just say you you are a leader, you're listening to this, go into your organization and spend the day in observation. How are things happening? What are experiences that people are having? Be in observation, be in conversation. Are things working the best way that they can to support folks across the organization? I think if you're being honest with yourself, you will know that they're, they are not. They are very likely not because we are constantly working to make things better. Often people want to separate, like, when does this end? Like, when does leadership development end, Lakita? When does coaching end? When does working on this damn culture end, right? (laughs) It doesn't end because it's a part of the work, right? And so if we can have uh, folks that have power that are in leadership, that are building companies, begin to notice that and really embrace the idea that we it's time for us to build differently and build with intention, then I think we can continue to have the transformation that we want to see. Right now, it's, to be honest, and um, it's going to happen anyway. Right now, it's being employee driven. The The tables have been flipped over, right? That we we change needs to happen. And so the more we can come in community about that, regardless of your position in the organization, then the more successful we're going to be. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. <clears throat> There's a lot of talk right now about the great resignation, mm-hmm. right? And I think for any business owner who may still be not fully on board with, you know, what you're describing, mm-hmm. now they have to pay yeah. attention, yeah. you know, um, and we've seen this rise in employee activism mm-hmm. within organizations. Um, we're seeing companies who are being pursued by the government, whether it's the EEOC or state governments um, for misconduct in the workplace. I mean, there's all this groundswell. Um, And it's interesting because I have shifted um, even my thinking from employee first to people first. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the the idea that um, we're so much more than employees. People are so much more 
there's no such thing as leaving it at home. Yeah, you know, it we, is. We do not. And <laughs> that probably goes back. There's That's got to be somewhere on that list of, you know, how white supremacy shows up in company culture. You know, this idea that you could separate your personal and professional life. Again, we just see that literally there's yeah. no such thing as leaving it at home because we so many of us have been working from home Absolutely. for the past couple of years. But yes, I think companies, if they were lagging behind in any way, you just don't, you don't have that luxury anymore. Mm-hmm. You will be left behind. Yeah. And there are so many people, whether it's because of childcare issues or whether it's because of they've had an opportunity through this pandemic to like really do some introspection and say, is this really where I want to be spending all my time? You know, it's, it's all of these things um, converging um, that, you know, people really will be in the driver's seat, um, you know, rather than organizations. And so that's why I think the work you're doing is so important. Yeah, thank you. Um, I love that. And I love that switch to people first, right? That it is, um, we are all things um, within the context of this work. And so as we move forward, focusing on how do we have shared language together? How do we partner together? um, How do we all feel a sense of connection to what we're doing on a day-to-day basis matters even more. Um, And I think, you know, it probably always mattered to us on an individual level. And I think we're collectively saying, oh, no, like this, it really matters. And we're saying that loud and clear. And so this is a great opportunity for organizations to shift their thinking way of being and working style. Uh, but it means, you know, it just starts with one one step, right? We One step, one decision to say, hey, I want to do things different and I'm ready to have a personal transformation because we have to have the personal transformation before we can have organizational transformation. Yeah. That's a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much. Lakita, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Yeah, totally. So um, I think all the social places, I'm <laughs> interestingly most uh, excited and, and typically engaged on Instagram. We Every Monday we do Leadership Mondays and we uh, ask a question and provide some support there. You can find me at uh, www.cocreatework.com uh, and there's some resources there you can schedule a consultation with me um, and you can also find us on LinkedIn so feel free to engage with us uh, in the best way that makes sense for you fantastic thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom absolutely thank you for having me Rebecca and thank you thank you for the work you're doing in the world Problem Performers is a production of HR Uprise Media, part of an organization built around a single question. What if you could have HR that works for you rather than your boss? Well, now you can with your own HR Uprise coach. Get affordable, confidential advice from an experienced HR pro who works only for you. Learn more at hruprise.com. And hey, employers, we've got you covered too. HR Uprise provides independent investigations, harassment prevention training, private employee coaching, and much more. Email us at hello at hruprise.com or visit our page at hruprise.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.